0: Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Friday, and once again, it's time to philosophize. I'm on this critical theory wave right now, and I just went to go see the Barbie movie with my mom. So if you haven't watched it yet and don't want spoilers now, then come back to this podcast after you watch it to hear the philosophical review of it. Now, if you haven't seen it and don't plan on watching it, but want to hear about our take on it, no worries we will be providing good context to go along with our philosophical takes, so you definitely won't be lost. So I'm joined today by my mother. If you don't already know, she is a philosopher herself, and I'm very lucky to have her on this episode, but I'm also grateful to have her by my side throughout my philosophical journey. So thank you for being here, Mom. Whoa, thank you, Emma. And I
1: love to remind everyone that I'm a philosopher from last century, (laughs) so you need to go easy on
0: me. No, no, that won't be necessary, but... We chatted briefly about what topics we wanted to cover in this episode, but to lay them out for you all here in a rough roadmap, we are going to talk primarily about three philosophical aspects of the film, including existential themes, the role of testimony in feminist epistemology and political philosophy, and personal identity and relationship to others, especially in a unified identity-centric community. So we're going to start with existentialism because that's kind of the first philosophical turning point in the movie. And it's the main theme of the entire movie, I would say, that Barbie embarks on a journey of self-discovery following a serious existential crisis. So for the context that leads to this first moment of existential dread, everything in Barbie Land at the beginning of the movie is perfect. Barbies are having the best days ever and don't have negative emotions because, well, they live in perfect Barbie Land. Barbie holds a dance party with all of the other Barbies in Barbie Land. And mid-dance, she's struck with the thought of her Mortality, she blurts out, Do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> and everything stops abruptly, and all the Barbies and Kens look at her like she's absolutely out of her mind. They've never thought about death. Why would they? They're Barbies. But she resolves the situation by turning it back to the present moment, and the party continues. Following that little existential episode, stereotypical Barbie. On the second day, we see in the film, does not start her day out perfectly again. Her water's cold. She loses her Barbie arched feet. And she falls from her Barbie dream house. These are things that are very tied to her identity that she's just lost right after she started thinking about her mortality. She realizes that something's definitely wrong. And she starts to feel negative emotions like horror when she sees her unarched feet and experiences these things. That's when she embarks on her journey to self-discovery in the midst of her existential crisis. So, Mom, what did Barbie's existential crisis remind you of, and how did the understanding of the philosophy enhance this moment in the movie for you?
1: Well, loaded question, but I'm so ready for it. because <laughs> First, I want to say that I highly recommend it, and I love it because it, it aligns with your Emma is a mission to democratize philosophy and make it accessible to everybody. And you know have helped people engage in critical thought. there's a lot to think about. it creates a great opportunities for dialogue um and I love that the there were a lot of different people in the audience reflecting different demographics, so that's cool. Um, I looked at the movie through the lens of ontology specifically and surprisingly, taking the point of departure from Heidegger's being in time. Hmm. Barbie as design. <laughs> So um, when you focus on the initial incident, she does have an existential crisis. And prior to the event, and not being judgmental here, she is, I guess you could say, um, inauthentic. She's existing in perfect moments. She's not human. She's, and it's interesting, though, that Barbie is marketed and sold as sort of a perfected human, right? She's mm-hmm. perfected. <clears throat> and in some ways... This is the message that women have been sold literally and socially for decades, right? And fun fact, though, the um, the director of the movie, Greta Gerwig, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Right. She uh, went to Barnard, I found out, and majored in philosophy and English. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Philosophers can make it real big. Exactly,
1: huh? <laughs> right. So when the event happens, um, she begins to transform into what Heidegger might say being towards death. It sounds, it's so harsh, right? So harsh. harsh. But that's what it is. But this causes the anxiety. Um, It causes the cellulite. Uh, Yeah, Barbie gets cellulite. (laughs) It causes the dread. It's dreadful. And it causes the ugliness. So she begins experiencing these things. And the catalyst is that she is letting temporality, creep into her everydayness and that is the game changer for her and when i say she lets it you i guess you could almost say there's a metaphor of div, of divinity doing that being the human that controls her when when they play with her so that was incredibly uh profound i thought um
0: and can i just interject here mm-hmm. so there's a lot of people who live with death in mind and mm-hmm. they do it in a way that does not lead them to existential dread. Let's say stoics,
1: and that's okay. I because I have the I have the answer for you. Oh, okay,
0: that. okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say that. You know, would you ever foresee Barbie being stoic one day in her thoughts and living really memento mori out? Um, I mean, you know, it's, maybe that's for a it's later. Possible discussion. It could okay. be Barbie too. Barbie, two. but um, <laughs> <laughs> but the. Um,
1: I think the the part that made me kind of excited um, from a philosophical point of view is even though she was experiencing the dread and the sadness, the universal themes that unify us as humans, they, these are trans-historical and they keep popping up and these are the really cool things. Um, And they, and, you know, relating them to Heidegger and being in time, the five ones that kind of stuck out with me, and I won't go into too much detail because that's just like whatever, um, is, you know, being is an enigma, right? It's self-evident, but it's an enigma because we can't grasp the totality of it because we are, we are in it. We are part of this continuum. We come in after it starts. We don't know when it's going to end. And we leave before it ends. So, mm-hmm. so this, this enigma, she's now, because she has this, this introduction of, of the thought of death, she's, part, she's experiencing the enigma. And through that, she's joining us in our human solidarity. And that is, she becomes part of this group of being and being, being, being ontically distinguished by the fact that in its very being, the being is an issue for it. Mm-hmm. And this is what unifies us, Every, all of us. This Our being is an issue for us. Every, this is something we have absolutely, completely unites us and make, has in common. And this question of existence, the questions that she's having, will never get straightened out or figured out except going through the existence. And I, I think that's just so fascinating. Um, and the temporality, that becomes the meaning of being time
0: yes yeah i mean we see that when when barbie gets cellulite and she discovers her unarched feet she goes to weird barbie (laughs) um i love weird i love weird barbie (laughs) (laughs) but weird barbie um she you know gives her the choice Mm -hmm. between keeping her life in barbie land as is with the unarched feet though and seeing it through or going to the real world, where she would have to discover mm-hmm. what being is. Yeah. And, you know, she forces Barbie to choose what discovering being is because Barbie doesn't want to to do that at first. Mm-hmm. Because it potentially, you know, I mean, she's... It's unknown. It's, it's unknown. She's un- cognizant of her death. Things that are just unfamiliar for her.
1: So the cool thing is that temporality... Is really what becomes the meaning of being, and time is the horizon. And Barbie consciously moves from the sort of this eternal present to the future, and she becomes, she embraces this being towards death. She becomes not necessarily the past, although the past could be. If you say you're, 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 you're defined by your past, living in the present, projecting yourself towards the future. The past you could almost say is is tying to the 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 history of her with all the playing and the in the human past. And then the histor, it really the historical consciousness of women, um, and that female experience. But then she she brings time into her horizon, and she becomes being towards death. But she and she also aligning with Heidegger's um, being in time. Uh, she becomes her being becomes characterized by care, where she can either act or not act, but mm-hmm. she chooses in a meaningful way to act so her temporal temporality it generates this this care and consciously barbie moves through the future she chooses humanity aging being physical body and um this is and the message seems to be um to be the consensus of the human experience through um what i think is the existential contemplation of life the temporal journey the experience the imperfections the even though it's uncertain and um it's a conscious choice to move through time even though it's stressful and you have and you get cellulite (laughs) (laughs) it's authentic fulfilling and a unifying uh, human bond across time and the historical consciousness. So I am a huge fan mm. of existential Barbie.
0: Well, what would you say when Barbie, in 15 years after becoming human, wants to get Botox? I would
1: say, I'll let's go." <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Let's go. Well, that was a that was a great existential take on the movie. Um, I really appreciate you bringing in Heidegger and all of these trans-historical thoughts. But now we're gonna pivot more. To the role of testimony in feminist epistemology and political philosophy, which I know, you know, you're not an epistemologist and, um, you I know. I love hearing about it. So but yeah, I'm you good. love hearing about it. But, um, you know, this is what I, I like to talk about. But um, basically, part of the movie um, or part of the second half of the movie is when Barbie goes into the real world with Ken and Ken discovers patriarchy. And then Ken brings it back to Barbie Land, and he tells the other Kens and Barbies about patriarchy.
1: And he literally ruins Barbie Land.
0: (laughs) He ruins Barbie Land. He makes his his mojo dojo (laughs) casa house, and he ruins Barbie Land. Um, But basically... Ken brainwashes the other Barbies. He creates an ideological illusion Mm -hmm. that the patriarchy and horses rule the world. (laughs) And, um, you know, Barbies are encapsulated by it because they really have no epistemic defenses set up because they are not human. They're dolls and they haven't experienced this being. Mm-hmm. Barbie has experienced this being and she can see past this ideological illusion because she's experienced both worlds and she's becoming more human because she's connected to an actual woman in the real world. Now, Barbie brings two humans back to Barbie Land to save Barbie Land from this ideology that's perpetuating now. And they face a normative challenge to this, you know, ideology critique, which is that All of these Barbies, you know, they believe this ideology. They believe it because Ken told them it was right. They, Ken's, all of the Ken's, they did practices that enforce this ideology. That's the Pascal, you know, sit and, or I guess, kneel, close your eyes and pray and you'll believe. That's the, like, practices enforcing the belief. So that's what happens in Barbie land. So when, um barbie and the two humans come back they're faced with the normative challenge of ideology critique which is that it's very hard to convince someone who fundamentally disagrees with your moral or political framework of something when they just have they've known nothing else really especially in the immediate moment when they're not perceiving um being when they're not living through that uh, that experience and so how does ideology critique then manage to convince anyone or even change anything? But when it gets down to that point in the movie, the the woman from the real world, she has this, you know, little monologue that she goes on about, um, you know, the experience of woman. And this I see as a... a an instance of testimony in feminist epistemology that progresses the feminist movement in some society. Yes, this one's made up. It's Barbie Land. It's the feminist society in Barbie Land. She progresses it through an act of testimony that's backed by context or context of um, a an ex- firsthand experience of um, deficits and of a realization that something that is other could be. So relatable. It is so relatable. But, you know, this woman's monologue made the brainwashed Barbies realize where they had gone wrong. They see the ideological illusion. And this firsthand testimony is really influential. And in societies where there are people with significant epistemic deficits, the role of testimony is incredibly important because people like to hear from others who have firsthand accounts of, you know, or first-hand relatable accounts of what they're going through, what they're experiencing. And, you know, this is why all the Barbies listen. They like to hear what this real-world woman is saying, and they relate to it. They realize that, you know, maybe they were wrong about the ideology and that they ought to be lifted from this captivity and reclaim what they've once known. And, you know, it's... It's pretty interesting. I I really like the role of testimony and, you know, and how it's portrayed, especially in this movie. But, I mean, when you are sharing knowledge, you're contributing to a pool of, you know, common knowledge, especially in small societies. Let's say like Barbie Land, where there are Mm -hmm. like a hundred Barbies that, you know, are contributing to the social pool they're um very isolated i mean this is just how it's portrayed in the movie and when you're adding things to this common pool it's very easy to get swept up in things that's i like you know when you zoom in on barbie land at the beginning of the movie it's all feminist there's only women at one point the one of the real world humans they ask where do the kens live mm-hmm. and it's like well the, You know, under a certain ideology, the Kens don't have a place. Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) So, I mean, but it's the same thing when the Kens ruled the world. So, uh, you know, ideology is, you know, captive. It captivates people. And, you know, testimony is needed for people in epistemic deficits and normative deficits, really, to progress from their initial conditions of oppression. But that was my take on epistemology and political philosophy for the Barbie movie. Yeah, I love that.
1: And it also sort of ties into that whole transhistorical movement of the humans being kind of plopped into this continuum and not knowing when they're coming out of it and then the continuum, you know, continuing. So um, people need to engage. They need to talk. They need to share, uh, have new ideas introduced to them, to talk about, rationalize through. Um, And it just was a fascinating movie, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And, I mean, another point I want to touch on um, that I just was thinking of is um, the fact that the woman who was giving the testimony was a good informant, Mm -hmm. and she was deemed a good informant, Mm -hmm. because that's important also for feminist epistemology, because there are many instances in history where, there has been a woman testifying, and they're deemed not a good informant. So then their testimony is taken as not true or unreliable, and then that doesn't progress what it needs to progress. But in this case of the Barbie movie, it it was deemed reliable. The woman was deemed a good informant, and so she was able to progress the movement that way. I also found it interesting, like this kind of bleeds into the next topic a little bit, but the strategies by which the Barbies re- reclaimed Barbie land mm-hmm. relied on certain um, certain activities and experiences with the Kens that were trans-historical <laughs> <laughs> and very um, relatable, which I think uh, helped the cases for, you know, accepting various barbies and the um the woman from the real world as a good informant like um like all the kens were playing the guitars at the barbies for four hours and the barbies would go on their phones and you know they'd text ken would ask who are you texting and they would go and make the other kens jealous and that was something that you know, was shared as an idea first, then it progressed to the actual state of being executed, and then post-execution it had a certain consequence. The only reason it was able to progress in that way is because a good informant came up with the idea, collaborated with others on a trans-historical activity and experience, and they were able to implement it because they deemed it a good idea. So that was interesting. Um, Same thing with... um, one of the barbies went up to a ken who was watching the godfather and said i've i've never seen the godfather i like you know can can you please replay it and then talk all through it <laughs> like and i see everyone in the theater look at each other because everyone's been through something like that i'm sure um all the women have been through something like that so they relied on really interesting experiences in order to progress the movie mm-hmm in and normative and yes patriarchy. stereotypes of the pari- patriarchy mm. to progress it in a way that furthers their which aren't their entirely
1: unfounded ideals. because yeah. that's another part of humor is this the ability to um to relate on several levels sometimes it's cultural sometimes it's just physical some you know it's so uh it's it's definitely a shared experience that caused
0: a lot of laughing yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah, that was that with um, the feminist philosophy. Now, the last topic I want to talk about is about personal identity and relationship to others and especially in a unified identity-centric community. And this I thought of at first when I like, saw Ken's development throughout the story, where Ken, at first, he like I think the narrator says that Ken only exists in the gaze of Barbie. So there is no ken without a barbie and not all people who owned barbie barbies had kens but really no one had a ken doll by themselves it was always barbie and ken not just ken and um at the end this caused uh the ken character to feel like he he wasn't his self like he, he didn't no, have a self he had no identity mm-hmm. and you know, he's living in Barbie land. It's not Ken land or, you know, in the Danish translated version, it's Ken Dum, or Kenmark Mark, actually. Um, and he transformed Barbie land into Kenmark when he recognized that people in the real world respected him because of patriarchy. So he wanted to bring it back, institute, institute the patriarchy and gain respect and be seen for himself as a self, mm-hmm. um, not another or in addition to or a supplement to
1: almost like not as a being not as as more of a as an object yeah in relation to others so he's he still has some work to do
0: yeah ken definitely has some work to do um like i mean they're also yeah i know he was great but you know all the barbies in barbie land other than stereotypical barbie who eventually became human they're dolls Mm-hmm. You know, that's something to keep in the back of your mind. Like maybe they're not meant to be feeling this mm-hmm. way. Maybe exactly. they want to, or they find their sense of self as perceiving themselves as objects,
1: right? And also as a creator of the movie, you can do whatever you want, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it is still a, a it is a doll. So that's I I loved how it ended with normal Barbie. The concept of normal Barbie.
0: Oh yeah, so the the woman from the real world came up with an idea for a Barbie that has a nice top and just tries to get through the day. (laughs) She just tries to get through the day, and so that was the concept of normal Barbie. And um, I don't know, that was pretty interesting, especially when you're looking at a Barbie land where everyone is perfect. Mm -hmm. There's one of every kind of person, and you know. There is no normal Barbie. There is no Barbie who's just trying to get through the day. You know, they all wake up to an amazing song about pink, like the color pink, and you know, they every night is girls' night. Like there is no normal Barbie who just she goes to work, comes back, has girl dinner, and you know, sleeps. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting to hear about too. Yeah, we don't we don't have to be perfect, right? Or
1: or it's not even about being perfect it's about just being human and when barbie was probably having some of her her leaps and transforming from to humanity she was crying she was feeling something she was you know so so i loved that it ended with normal barbie because that also just makes me think about um kind of coming out of this whole covid isolation and people being so glued to social media and that was that's their lens and so many young people you know suffer from depression and and anxiety because of their judgments of themselves against these unrealistic ideals that are out there due to filters or to just perfect pictures and staged and such and um it can cause so much anxiety and we really need to just celebrate, you know, what is just being normal and moving through life and experiencing all the different um, emotions and events and enjoying the journey, um, which is also part of the philosophical mission. It's to just get to a point where we once again can talk about things and enjoy ideas and concepts and thinking about being and, uh, and, and the minutia of that and the the normalcy of life and and what what the meaning is but talking to each other not being afraid to to disagree or to work through issues so i i loved it there was just so much about this movie that i think was was so much food for thought
0: yeah definitely and like this kind of relates to the the final message i want to convey the philosophical message which is that If you walk away from the Barbie movie thinking that, you know, the message was that men are bad, it's not true. You know, the message of the Barbie movie was that, you know, in order to have a well-functioning community, it can't be so identity-centric in a way that just is just too saturated. It can't be—a society can't be ruled by just men or just women. There has to be diversity, you know, that's really the the message, the diversity that we need the normal Barbie. We need, you know, people who just, we, we need a society of balance, really. I don't know if you agree with that, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's just about being human. It's not perfect. It's an experience. Barbies, they did get a lot of flack for just being imperfect or too whatever or look at them they're unrealistic but you know i think it was you could see some some significance and and value in um in having them along the feminist journey so
0: yeah so
1: funny movie yeah lots to think about what would you rate it out of 10 Mm, I can't really do that. Really? <laughs> I'm thinking. Uh, I guess I'm. I would say I'm going to give it a ten because it was just a. It just brought a lot of people together. Um, there's a lot to think about, and um, I'd love to see more movies like that. And yeah. and I'd love to see people talking about the the ideas and and laughing about it and not taking things too seriously. Just just communicating.
0: Yeah, I, I'd give it a ten too. It might be one of my favorite movies now. But that's it for today. Thank you, Mom, for joining me. And I'm so happy my listeners can hear a little bit of your wisdom. Huh. <laughs> no, it's I know. true. No, it's all good. And all of you who didn't already should go see the Barbie movie for yourselves. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to take a look at my book, How to Excel in Undergraduate Philosophy, on Amazon and other all other major bookstores in both print and digital. That's all I have for today's episode of Emmaism. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep searching for the truth.